From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman. It's State of Nevada. We knew the results of last week's primary and caucus before they came out. Donald Trump won the Republican caucus. President Joe Biden won the Democratic primary, and they both did well with their base voters, getting 90 percent for Biden. 99% for Trump in his caucus, and pundits are still trying to understand what it all means, or if it means anything other than these are the two candidates for the general election in the fall, despite the continued attempt by Republican Nikki Haley to do well in the next primary in South Carolina. She, by the way, lost to none of the above in Nevada's Republican primary. With me to talk about all this is our own politics reporter, Paul Boger, and Warren Hardy, He's a lobbyist who's also a former Republican state senator in Nevada. Paul Warren, welcome back. Good morning, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Paul, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Turnout in the Republican caucus was lower than the primary, but Trump won with more than 99% of the vote. Is that a good sign for the former president? I think it's a good sign that his base is sticking with him, right? You know, last year there were concerns, at least on the president's behalf, that you know, he wasn't going to be able to do well. There was these allegations and indictments coming down the line. Of course, you had uh, his troubles with electability. And a lot of Republicans were looking to, to you know, seize on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately for him, it seems like here in Nevada, the base is still 100% Trump's party. So I think that's a good sign for him, at least. He doesn't have to worry about any uh, infighting with Republicans, at least on that front. However, does it look good for his continued electability? We don't know. If uh, Republicans had had a primary and we had a more apples to apples comparison when it comes to turnout and uh, voting, you know, averages, we, we, we'd be able to, to give you a better sign of how things are looking um, compared to Biden. But at least for the Republican Party, Trump's still the guy. And again, for people who don't know this, uh, the Republicans had a primary, but it was a state-run primary, and they were not going to consider the results of that for delegates. They also ran their own caucus two days later. They did consider that, but anybody who ran in the primary could not run in the caucus. Nikki Haley ran in the primary, so she couldn't be in the caucus Trump won the caucus, so he is their candidate. And Paul, there were long lines to get into caucus sites in southern Nevada. Where you were in northern Nevada, what did you see? Well, you know, it was very much the same thing. It was a cold, snowy night here in northern Nevada. I was in Douglas County, about an hour just south of Reno. And I got to tell you, long lines to get into the elementary school I was at uh, talking to the caucus site uh, president or, or captain there, uh, he was surprised by the turnout. I don't think he was expecting quite so many folks to come out to vote. And even by their own Repu- numbers, Republicans saw about 60,000 people across the state show up on that Thursday night in the rain, in the snow, to vote for President Trump. Now, that is less than what turned out for the primary, about 120,000 people turned out for the primary on Tuesday. It's also less than the previous caucus that Republicans held in 2016. Mind you, Republicans didn't have a caucus in 2020. President Trump was the de facto nominee. But in 2016, they had a competitive caucus. And in there, you saw about 75,000 people turn out. So, you know, turnout was less even compared to their own numbers in 2016. That being said, 
you know, there was still a lot of enthusiasm for, on behalf of these folks who wanted to come out and show their support for the former president. So, so two questions there. There was some confusion about the fact that Republicans had a primary and a caucus. I uh, wonder what voters said about that. And I'm also wondering what were the most important issues to those people that you talked to? You know, it's it talking to voters about the primary versus caucus. You know, a lot of the folks at the caucus were perfectly happy to be there. They like the process. They like the getting together with their neighbors. Now, that being said, not everybody was enthused. Some of them would have liked to have seen the primary process work. They think the caucus is confusing. They didn't think where I was at that the caucus site was particularly well run. So there were complaints. However, when you know asked if they would rather have a caucus versus primary, whatever it comes down to, they want that be Republican voters who have a say in their nominee. That's all they care about. What form that takes, it doesn't really seem to matter, at least with the most loyal Republicans who show up to a caucus on a cold Thursday night. As for the most important issues, well, I mean, it really comes down to two things. It's economics and immigration. At least that's what Republicans say. Um, economics, you know, they point to things like gas prices, natural gas prices, energy prices. Um, in the economy, inflation is a big thing on their minds. You know, I talked to Robert Martinez. He was one of the, one of those voters who showed up in, in Minden. And he says his daughter's just been struggling. So my daughter, she's struggling with her house payments. She's struggling with food. She's struggling with gas. I'm retired. I'm okay. I've, uh, I've done well. So it doesn't affect me, but I'm thinking about the people who are coming up in this country. They need a leg up, and they're not getting it right now. It's really interesting, you know, what you mentioned uh, about the issues and that people wanted to be able to vote uh, as Republicans for their candidate. Did you talk to anybody or do you get a feel for what they think about an open primary? Because there are some 600,000 nonpartisan voters in this state who couldn't participate because they weren't part of either part of either of those parties. You know, talking to them, they are very concerned about Republicans having a say within their own party. Again, the current system is a closed system, and they would like to keep it that way, at least the vast majority of them. You know, some of the folks I talked to on Tuesday, those Republican voters I talked to on Tuesday who were voting for Nikki Haley, they were far more open to that open primary process. They have felt a little bit disenfranchised by the party rules as they stand, at the same time, they, they said that in one breath and then said they were happy to go caucus for Donald Trump on Thursday in the next breath. So I think whatever it is, there is a consensus that Republicans want to have a say in their nominee. However that looks, whether it's caucus or primary, uh, as for the open primary issue itself, I mean, the 600,000 Nevada you know, voters who did not get a say in this particular election We'll get to have a say later this year on November uh, in, in November when they get to have a vote on question three, which will allow them to have those open primaries and, of course, have ranked choice voting as well here in Nevada. You know, also with us again is Warren Hardy, former Republican state senator. Uh, Warren, you wanted to add to that. Yeah. I So, Paul, I mean, I, I agree with everything you, you said, and that's sort of what I'm anecdotally seeing, too. But it's not just the 600,000 uh, nonpartisans or whatever it is that are, are um, disenfranchised. I was disenfranchised by my own party. I, 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 I'm outraged 
and and I, I I'm surprised there's not more. Maybe it's just that people don't understand what happened. I did not have an opportunity to support the my preferred candidate because the Republican Party unilaterally made a decision after the legislature made a decision, right, wrong, or indifferent. You can agree or disagree with it, but the legislative process declared the rule of law declared we're doing a primary. We should have done a primary. So my candidate was not on the caucus. Uh, list. Uh, she was on the uh, primary list. But even if I had cast a vote, which I didn't, because there was no reason to, even if I had cast a vote, the Republican Party says those results are not going to count. That's disenfranchisement. That is outrageous. That's a public, national, international embarrassment. And and I don't, you know, I've considered the legal action. And this is not about Donald Trump. This is not about anything other than disenfranchising Republican voters who want to participate in the selection of their candidate. Um, and, and, I, and I just find it offensive and um, frankly more than offensive. It's an existential threat to democracy in my opinion. Warren, those are <laughs> – those are strong words coming from you who I know are you're very measured in a lot of things that you say. I mean, you're a lobbyist, but of sort of a, of a different form. You, uh, you would actually consider legal action? Or, well, are, are you still thinking about it? You know, I, I don't know that it would go anywhere. I mean, the Supreme Court's going to resolve a lot of this. I will say this. I think we need some – we need Congress to create some national uh, guidelines for federal, federal – you know, for presidential elections because of what's going on in Colorado and elsewhere. But, you know, any process, the fix was in for Donald Trump. And that's fine. Don, I mean, it's not fine. But Donald Trump's going to win the primary either way in Nevada and, and probably across the country. Um, but the fact that I did – as a registered Republican – uh, since I was old enough to vote, uh, as a former Republican member of the legislature who's put a lot of skin in the game on this, I was not able to participate. Now, you can say I was. You can say I had the right to go to the to, to cast the vote uh, for my candidate in the primary, but it was predetermined that that vote did not count. Have you heard this from other Republicans? No, because they don't really understand it. I, I, it's been very interesting. I, the first batch of calls I got from people was, see, this is proof that they're out to get rid of Trump because he's not on the primary ballot. Well, really? Yeah. And, and I explained to them, no, that was a Republican Party decision. not, And, and, and that concerned them. And, and they said, well, um, how do I – you know, most of those were Trump supporters. And they said, how do I support Trump? And I explained the caucus process to them. Um, but th again, I'm just I'm amazed of the at the lack of outrage uh, from Republicans over the fact that the, if you weren't a Donald Trump supporter, you were disenfranchised, or whoever the other guy was. I can't remember his name. If you didn't support one of those two candidates, your vote did not count in Nevada. You were completely disenfranchised by a, a, a by a decision of the Republican Party. So we have got to in this country because, again, I, I, I think this is an existential threat. This is the first time I haven't voted that I can ever remember that I haven't voted in an election because I knew it didn't matter. It was a wait, complete waste of time to go through the exercise of voting in the, in the primary. 
Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very exercised about this, and I think it's an absolute sham and, and an existential threat to democracy. I think some people might say the fact that uh, former President Donald Trump came here to celebrate his caucus victory would was also sort of uh, un- unnecessary because it was preordained. Uh, but when he did come here, Paul Boger, what did he have to say? You know, in very Trump fashion, he claimed this was the largest uh, caucus win in state history. Again, it was not in 2017 or 2016. That was a larger turnout caucus, uh, which he did win, but by a lesser amount, of course. Um, But he really focused on, at one point, the importance of Nevada in the upcoming general election. Here's what he had to say. This has been a tremendous state. And, you know, if we win this state, we easily win the election in November. We have to win the election. I think, you know, this just goes to show you that um, the GOP and the Trump campaign are going to focus very heavily on winning Nevada this year. You know, they've lost in 2016. They lost in 2020, but not by huge margins. In 2020, it was just by about 30,000 mm-hmm. votes. So they see that as ground that they can make up. And in an election where, you know, yes, President Biden won his primary by 90 percent, there is likely going to be a third party candidate on the ballot in RFK Jr. um, That could take some votes away from him, could take some votes away from Republicans as well. But I think that Democrats have a bigger challenge in motivation this year, whereas Republicans have a lot of motivating factors, Trump just being one. Warren Hardy, do you think winning the caucus here for Donald Trump, was it a big win? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it was anticipated. Again, if they would have just gone by the rules and elected him in the primary, or, you know, ran him in the primary, ran the caucus. He still would have won. He still would have won. Going away. Going away. I, I mean, I've been really surprised. And I think a year ago on your show, I said, there's no way Donald Trump could be I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> I told you said son. no way Donald Trump would win. You, I think you said you could put up a blade of grass against Donald Trump and the grass would win. Yeah, and at uh, that time I had no idea that a blade of grass would outpoll uh, President Biden. Um, so I mean, a lot of ha- a lot has happened in, in that. And I told somebody, well, a friend of mine, I was had to had to come on your show and eat crow because I do think there's a path for victory in Trump with Trump. You know, it's ironic. You, you know, you, everybody knows you've got thirty to thirty-five percent of the base on both sides. They're going to vote for the Democrat or Republican regardless. They're just going to punch the punch the ticket for the Republican or the Democrat, uh, and then the rest of them are persu- the persuadable candidates and. In the last uh, couple of election cycles, we've had more a vote against, and uh, Trump won, in my estimation, and looking at the the, do- the data, Trump won the presidency because there was enough votes against Hillary Clinton. People just did not want Hillary yeah. Clinton. Joe Biden won for the exact same reason. There was Trump, you know, fatigue. Nobody wanted people. People, the moderate in between, didn't want Trump. Now that has reversed, I think. And, and and the fact that Donald Trump can look back and say, whether it was his his policies or not, the economy was good. Things were good. Life was good. Everybody was better off. Uh, is going to hurt President Biden because not only can Trump say that I'm going to do that, it actually happened in his four years. Yeah. And that, and, and I just, I talked to people who are not particularly Trump fans and they're saying anything's better than what we have now. 
And there's incremental imp- improvements in the economy. There's incremental improvements in inflation. But it has not yet, and it's going to take some time before those improvements are si- uh, significant enough that they hit the kitchen table. Yeah. Right now, people are still feeling very, very beaten down. Well, what, what about Republicans like you? Um, would you vote for Donald Trump? You wanted to vote for Nikki Haley. Yeah, and 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 look, I'm am I a super super Nikki Haley fan? No, I'm a I'm a person who wanted to restore some order to the Republican Party. I I, I don't know, I I don't know. I I, I will have a hard time. Uh, I voted uh, none of the above for the first time the last couple of elections. I, I just am, uh, you know, astonished that we can't do better in terms of our our leaders in the party. Um, but look, I, I will say this too. I don't overly disagree with President Trump's policies. I mean, somebody asked me the other day about NATO and his criticism of NATO and that ridiculous comment he made about, you know, attacking. I mean, just with that, that, that's just, you know, that's just him. Um, But I did not disagree with his policy of the NATO alliance needs to start carrying more of the burden. They can't just join the alliance and then let the United States do all the work. I I don't disagree with that at all. In fact, I wholeheartedly agree with that. There Mm -hmm. should be more pressure on our NATO alliances to help contribute to the defense of the alliance. So um, that's the factor for me, right? Am I willing to put up – because in in this case, with President Biden, I can't – stomach the policies from my philosophical perspective. That's not the case with Donald Trump. I like most of the policies. Um, uh, But can I stomach what he is doing to the Republican Party? That's where I have trouble. But if it comes down to the policy, you know, the choice for me, there's certainly no way I can vote for President Biden. I just... I don't think he's a bad man. In fact, I think he was in his time in the U.S. Senate. He was one of the very one of a good, one of the good senators there. But I just feel like now he has gone so far to the left, uh, the way the Republicans have gone so far to the right. That's really what it makes it difficult for me to select a candidate. Uh, we need you know we need moderates that understand compromise and understand the need to get things done in Congress and and, and in the United States. And we don't have that. I wonder if, you know, based on the results we've seen so far, it's going to be a repeat of the 2020 election. And that year we saw a record turnout for Biden and Trump. Do you think that's going to happen again? I don't. Um, you know, as I told somebody the other day, it might be it might be kind of interesting because the the coattails might reverse historically, you know, the part the presidential elections lead the party uh, the, the the party that wins the presidential election has sort of has coattails down to congress i i i, I kind of feel like the, a lot of the blame is going to congress a lot of blame is going to democratic policies in in um some of the cities it might actually have a reverse effect uh, but i don't i i agree completely with paul i think there's a huge enthusiasm gap on the democratic side i don't think you need to look any further than What's happening with the with the Latino vote? That needs to be, yeah, that's significant. Should be a significant concern to Democrats. The the dynamic that's at play there, and look, some of them will be like me and probably can't stomach supporting the Republican nominee, but but they'll uh, they'll just stay home, and that's a that's a significant problem. I I agree. I think Paul's spot on, and I think that's the biggest reason. I think. Uh, President, former President Trump has a chance to be reelected is that I think the enthusiasm gap is far greater 
on the Democratic side because of the economy. Do you think the economy is going to be the biggest issue? Because a lot of the polls, exit polls, people who were voting so far in these primaries around the country are saying immigration is like they're, especially with the Republicans, that is a huge issue. And we're going to be talking about that, by the way, on the second half of the show today. You know, that that's going to rank based on just sort of anecdotally, <laughs> it's always the economy first. And, and we didn't see that you know, during the Reagan administration and others because it, it was more about foreign policy and the national threat. I mean, you, you remember the Cold War and, and the reasons those were sort of uh, for, foremost in people's minds. But it's, it, you know, President Clinton had it right. It's the economy, stupid. And it's always the economy first. And the, and, and the perception of the public is the economy is so bad. Even though there's statistical improvement, it, it hasn't hit the kitchen table yet. You're still paying too much of the gas, the gas pump. You're still paying too much for for milk. And so it's going to take time for those things to trickle down. And I don't know that it's in time, will be in time to save President Biden. You know, about 600,000 Nevadans are, Nevadans are nonpartisans. And the two parties have to try to appeal to those voters. Do you think that's going to be an easier thing to do? Uh, or, or will it be easier for Republicans or Democrats to do that? You know, I, I I think given the current environment, it's going to be easier for Republicans. I mean, the the, the the party in power always gets the blame or the credit. And I think in President Trump's case, he got the credit for a good economy that probably didn't have a lot to do with his policies. And But I think you can make a pretty solid case that some of the challenges we're having are due to the policies of the President Biden. And so I think that group, they're part nonpartisan for a reason. And I think the overwhelming majority of them are fiscal conservatives. And um, I think that's going to benefit the Republicans this time. So you don't think we have so many nonpartisans in the state? The numbers outdo both Democrats and Republicans because it's an automatic registration now when you go to get your vehicle uh, registered at the DMV? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, in fact, maybe the majority reason – uh, for it. But these folks, they're going to break down. I mean, I, I think the p- potential for crossover votes or um, for not folks not voting is higher than it's been in a long time. And the economy is what always drives that. That is Warren Hardy. He is a former state Republican senator. Also with me, Paul Boger, state of Nevada political reporter. Warren and Paul, thank you both. Thank you. Always Thanks, a pleasure. Jeff.